Hi there, welcome to your podcast for college Catholics. I'm your host, Father Patrick Wainwright. Today I have a guest speaker as we had last episode, uh, Father Cliff Ermatinger is a priest of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He has worked as a spiritual director, retreat master, and lecturer on spirituality for many years. He has a BA from Gonzaga University in philosophy, a philosophy licentiate, and a theology, sacred theology licentiate from Regina Apostolorum Pontifical University in Rome. As we shared in the last episode, he wrote many books with regards to the spiritual life, the interior combat, and also regarding the fight against evil in our life. In particular, we spoke about a book called Common Nonsense, 25 Fallacies About Life, and a particular fallacy about the fact that there is no absolute truth, right? And so we discussed the importance of this fallacy, or lie, if you want, and the truth that there is a truth in the world. God is truth, and he has revealed his truth to us. Now, Father, there's a book you wrote about the trouble with magic. Right. What would you like to tell us about, uh, what is the trouble with magic? The trouble with magic, well... You know, when I was a kid growing up in the 60s and early 70s, there was a commercial on about, it was a Palmolive commercial. This, uh, and uh, this lady is soaking her fingers in it, you know, her fingernails. And says, is it mild? Oh, it's more than just mild. You know, you're soaking in it. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, magic, idolatry, superstition, we're soaking in it. Our society is drenched in right. this. And where did it start? It started in Eden with the fall. Uh-huh. So imagine that, the, what is the definition of superstition? Superstition is to expect a divine effect from a less than divine cause. So when a serpent speaks to you, first of all, uh, be, be, be cautious of any talking serpents, okay? Right, 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 right. But when, and then when the content of his little communication is, if you eat this forbidden fruit, you will be like God. And, you know, the ancient rabbinical commentators in the Midrash, they say that this being like God is in the order of creators, mm. not to be spiritual beings or anything like that, but to be creators. Now there's what, so behind this promise, this false promise of the devil is a lot. Part of which is God is insecure. He's afraid of you finding out how he got to be that way. And therefore all you got to do is disobey him, eat the fruit, and you'll be just like him. He's afraid that you're going to find out that you can be like him. He likes you subservient. So notice, this is the content of, of the promise. So that's a lie, right? The promise that is a Absolutely. lie, a temptation of a yeah, fallacy. Well, well they do, you, you see the results of it, right? So right, what are the right. results of their, of their, this superstitious act? It was, oh, by the way, it wasn't an apple. It was a fig. And that's what that's the Midrashic authors say. Anyway, um, what, what happens? Thomas Aquinas identifies four wounds from original sin. Mortality. Adam and Eve would not have died had they not eaten of the forbidden fruit. Uh, the disorder of the passions, namely concupiscence right. and uh, irascibility, anger. We also have a darkened intellect as a result, and we have a proclivity to malice. Notice how this encompasses our entire being. Certainly the life principle, there's going to be, someday there's going to be, I get sick and I die. There's a divorce between the body and the soul. 
My passions are out of order. My will is weakened and even has a tendency to do bad things. Exactly. And my mind is, you know, a lot dumber than it was before the fall. And so it, it just touches our entire being. Every aspect of our being is touched by original sin. And nonetheless, and so uh, Aristotle says that, you know, what is first in intention is last in execution. So what was behind this promise? Ultimately, he wanted their service. He wanted them to serve him. Right. Man, man is a liturgical being, and we were made to worship God. Ultimately, he wants to corrupt the entire person to such an extent that we would serve him. And Instead of serving God. Exactly. We ought to serve. And so all magic, all idolatry, all superstition is going to find its locus, its place. As the Germans say, Sitz im Leben, right? Mm-hmm. They find its place right. in those wounds because the, the magic, idolatry, superstition is going to address those things. So, for example, you know, you've got this fascination now with tarot cards, with Ouija boards, right? It, this is called divination. This is, this is how, this is the demonic way to address the darkened intellect. And we know that these things not only go against the first commandment, and that's the worst thing about it, about any divination, is it, it breaks the first commandment and therefore breaks our relationship with God. Going to psychics, right? Right. That's part of it. Palm reading, Palm reading, cards. all of those things. And, you know, it, it, there's an appendix, um, appendix in the book. I have eight pages, and it's just, it's just names. It's not even descriptions, just names of ways throughout history and in every culture that people have tried to have um, access to this knowledge that is otherwise not gained through natural means. In other words, divination. I've got eight pages of of just a list of different means that people use in all these different cultures. Well, that's the devil. So the devil's going to promote this. On the other hand, Christ comes to us and he comes with revelation. So we've got revelation through scripture. We've got revelation through tradition. We've got the teaching office of magisterium. We've also got natural law in order to know what's good and what's evil in very general terms. Um, But then we've also got the light of faith. We've got the light of grace. And so we're not left alone. Our Lord doesn't abandon us to our, just our merely fallen state. And as Catholics, you know, we know that man is not inherently corrupt. We know that we have a, uh, we're not absolutely corrupt. We're, we're damaged. We have these wounds, but we're, we're still essentially good in our nature. Just that with our nature in its naked, natural sense, we can't win heaven, right? We need to be saved. We need a savior. And so, um, notice too, how many people go to witch doctors, uh, he, so-called healers because of life's woes. They don't know, um, they don't know how to offer up sacrifice. They right. don't know how to identify themselves with their beloved spouse, Christ crucified. When you love somebody, you suffer with that person. If we love Christ, we will learn to suffer like Christ and for him. Who suffered? He suffered first for Already, us, he right? showed us the right. way. Right. And notice that Christ proves that suffering, death, sin do not have the last word. Now, with... Um, with... Um, our 
confusion and disintegration resultant from um, fallen our fallen nature. We want we often want things the easy way, and that's why people go to these healers. Also, um, people will go looking for a, a cure, and they end up going to this these demonic agents. Really, that's what they are: the healers and the, and the witch doctors. And in the Hispanic community, they call them curanderos. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Ireland, in the countryside, you've got the man with the who's got the cure, right? It's something that's mm-hmm. it's 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 a very ancient practice, right. right? And they do and they do this through demonic agency. When you go to these people, you might have a little alleviation for a little while, but then things get worse, right? And then you get tied to that. Well, of course, right? you're there's, bound. There's those strings tied. Yeah, exactly. There are a bunch of now. There are layers of problems, right? Um. Notice too how um, you just Google yoga and immortality, and you'll be amazed, or eternal life, and you'll be amazed at how many hits you get. How these Eastern, and they're not religions, they're philosophies, how these Eastern philosophies promise Mm -hmm. well being, they promise eternal life, they promise something that ultimately they can't deliver. On the other hand, our Lord, through baptism and through the Eucharist and through confession and through the sacraments, he promises us eternal life. He promises us union with him. Union with him, not with some world soul. We don't get absorbed by the Brahmin. We are not, um, we're not cogs. We're not recycled. We're not reincarnated. We, our souls go to heaven, hell, or purgatory, and we are either in friendship with God in time of purification over condemned and those are the choices those right, are the choices right. and no method is going to save us only a person can save us and that's the son of god the word made flesh um there there is also with this d- fragmentation of our interior our passions um concupiscence and irascibility they if they are not kept under the light of reason, if they're not kept under the light of faith and grace, mm-hmm. they will take on a life of their own. You look at the Old Testament and how idolatry was always called adultery. Right, and right. We, and then, and, and impurity itself, the sin of impurity becomes basically an anti-liturgy. People end up serving it. Think of how many right. people have porn addictions and they serve it and they've got this anti-liturgy. They've got this process that they go through. Right. Um, and ultimately it becomes their God, so to say, but it's a God that's going to condemn them. Right. Right. And doesn't bring any peace at all. Of course. And it brings more dysfunctionality and so than many, before. And so many of these young people who struggle with that, they hate it. And they would love to be free of it. And Christ can free them. And I always, you know, counsel people who have perhaps a, a porn addiction. You know, your way out is going to be through the sacraments helped by meditation, Lexio Divina. When you start to have a, a practice of mental prayer, look up, you know, have, your listeners ought to look up Catholic method of Lexio Divina and just take the gospel of the day. Meditate on that. If, you, if you're new to this, don't worry. It'll be a tough at the start. It'll be a tough habit to begin, but start 10 minutes a day after two weeks, 20 minutes after a month, 30 minutes. And you're going to find after a month, and if you keep clean, Right. State of grace. After a month, you'll have a degree of freedom in which you can choose. Do I want to be a man of prayer or a man of porn? Right, right. 
Um, you know, in um, the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord speaks about, he says, you've heard it heard, you know, thou shalt not kill. But I tell you, if you get angry, you will have to go before the tribunal. Right. And if you are angry with your brother on your way to the temple, before you go to the altar, leave your offering, go and be reconciled. What's he saying? Notice that he speaks about the problem of anger, not as an, as a verb. He doesn't say if you do this, if you get angry at this person, or if you get in out of wrath, you do this. He's saying if you are in the, the Greek word is basically an adjective. If you are angry. So right. what, he, what he's talking, Thomas Aquinas says that is a habitus mentis, right? This is a habit of mind. This is the angry person. The person who through so much habit of anger has basically become an embittered person. Mm-hmm. And notice he speaks about the incompatibility of this attitude of embitteredness with worship. Go be reconciled before you go to the temple to leave your offering. So what he, basically that becomes our false worship. And right. it, when, when somebody is really an angry person, they start to see everything through that prism of anger. I'm sure, you know, <laughs> we've, we all know people like that. Yes. And that's, that's a pretty harsh taskmaster to serve. If I want to serve the, the, the God of anger, this demon of, of anger, spiritus ire, well, that's, that's a real poor one to choose. And you know, there's not a lot for you there. Right. Humanly speaking, right, right, right. you know, as they say in, uh, in Spanish, revenge uh, is like drinking poison, hoping the other guy will get sick. It doesn't, doesn't work. You know, when, when we, when we have, um, when we have rancor, when we hold grudges, we, we make friendship with Christ impossible. We have to be reconciled with our Lord. We have to go confess that and then do our best to, to start new habits. The other, um, you know, proclivity to malice. So this is, this is the catechism of the Catholic church speaks about this moral problem of people who do curses on others, people who mm, do black magic. That's terrible. Um, and it says that this is the worst of all of the forms of idolatry and, um, and magic and superstition because it's actively seeking harm. And this becomes a very formal liturgical act that is always a mockery of the Catholic church. Notice that they're, they're, they're not right. mockeries of the Methodists. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's Correct. mockeries of, of our sacramental system. Of the blessings. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, we were made for worship. And if, you know, if we had time to do a little, um, word study on Genesis, we would see how some of the verbs they're used in, um, in the first three, two chap, first two chapters of Genesis are temple liturgy, uh, temple liturgical language. In other words, Adam was a priest. He was the first priest. And it's, um, this is our calling. This is our universal calling for us to all be worshipers of the true God in truth. That's, that's, that's our glory, right? Absolutely. To, to love and obey and serve the Lord. Right, right, right. Very good. Well, um, so I'm thinking, um, I am a priest, right? And I get, um, I, I work in college, some college campuses, right? And, uh, sometimes uh, some students are concerned about things that they feel in their in college dormitory and so forth. So they ask me to do a blessing of the place and so forth. So um, what things? So one of them, blessing the your living quarters would be a great way to you know uh, stay um, under God, right, and uh, safe from any negative, evil uh, you know, forces, so so to speak, or demonic forces. So uh, what things 
would you recommend to a regular college student that comes into camp to his uh, public uh, campus, public university campus, and um, you know he wants to stay Catholic, but also above all, he wants to be protected, right? So, two or three tips that you would recommend sure. um, from your experience that are very helpful for someone to stay uh, with God uh, and with the company of God and in 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 His friendship. Beautiful, good question, and I would say. First of all, um, if you're living in a life of, what are, what are the three necessary means of salvation? Sacramental grace, prayer, and virtue. Okay. So we've got to have all three of those legs of the stool or the leg tips over. We need all three of those. Virtue, again, could you repeat? Sacramental grace, prayer, and virtue. Perfect. That encompasses our entire being because we receive the sacramental grace from our Lord, right? Through the, through the sacraments, obviously. Our prayer orders our relationship with our Lord. And asks for the graces and, and protection from God as sure. well. And we, we, in a certain sense, we tithe our time, right? We're giving him not only our time, we're giving our mind and our heart in our prayer. And then virtue, that orders our relations, right? With ourselves, others, and our Lord. So that encompasses our entire being. So that's why our, our, the Lord has set up the whole system that way. Now, you're a college student. You go to Mass. You go to confession, you're living a life of virtue, you're trying to, you live a life of prayer. Okay, you're, you're on your way to heaven, okay? Right. <laughs> you're on your right, way to right, heaven. Right. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. Even though you're, you're on a very secular campus or you're around a bunch of secular or um, anti-Christian people, that's not your problem. You, 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 the devil fears you in as much as you are in a state of grace. He doesn't want you to know that, but he fears you because you have the blessed Trinity in your soul. So you've got where you are, the churches. Right. So, I remember just an anecdote that you say, the devil fears us. Uh, St. Therese of Lisieux has in her, in her book, sure, Story, Story of, soul, of soul, she has a little anecdote of a dream she had on one occasion that she was in the, in her house. And she heard some noise in the kind of in the back room or something. So she went to the back room and she noticed there were two little demons running around. And when they saw her, they really freaked out and they started running in circles and they didn't know where to go. Right. So she said, "Okay, I'm going to see what these bad people have in mind." So she got closer and they ran away. Right. So further away. So she decided, "Okay, I'm going to go closer." She kind of was emboldened by the fact that of of their reaction. Right. So. She went closer, and then they left the house and went to the backyard and were hiding under behind bushes or something. So then, when she concludes, she draws her conclusion: it is that the devil fears a soul that is pure and lives in grace and is united to God through prayer and the sacraments. Exactly, and not because of your your strong personality exactly. or your looks, right? <laughs> it's our Lord's presence in your soul, and that is a treasure. To have the state of grace, the life of grace in your soul, that is a treasure worth dying for. Nothing is more important than that. You know, sometimes people are afraid of what the devil can do to them. Well, you are, as St. Augustine says, capax dei. You are capable of possessing God. So this is, we're called to be possessed by him, to have him dwelling within us. And uh, when, when Paul says that I was taken prisoner, by Christ. He says in the word there is katalepo, which is, he says, I've been taken possession by Christ. And then, and, and then he says, you know, I, I live no longer I, but Christ lives in me in Galatians uh, chapter uh, chapter 2 of Galatians. 
So Christ lives in me. There's no other precedent for something, a statement like that in all of ancient literature. Wow. Inside the Bible, outside the Bible, you're not going to find something as radical as that. And nonetheless, that is the state. That is the person who is living these three means of salvation. So you've got everything going for you. And you, you ought to be a beacon there. You're exa- your silent witness. Yes, you have to stand up for the faith and you stand up for the truth and you speak your mind with charity and truth. That's why you ought to study apologetics. That's why you ought to study the church fathers right. to have to be able to give arguments. And that's, Not, why I'm, that's why I'm doing this podcast to provide some formation for college students, right? Beautiful. To have, to have those uh, weapons, if you want, in mind and in their mind to well, that's be able a, to that's a great service for mm-hmm. them, right? Mm-hmm. I wish some. I had I, you know I had to find these things out for myself. There were right. the, you know we didn't have internet. We and uh, in apologetics was. Uh, wasn't really happening in mm-hmm. the er- when I was in college in the early eighties, right? And so, um, you know, I wish I had had something like this. I guess you know your podcast, so I could I could have listened to those when I was in college. I would have benefited very much from them. But you know, so we have to form ourselves, and you know, it's funny how peers know how to formulate things for their friends, right? In ways that we would not, perhaps. And so when they, when they interiorize these things, these truths, and they think about them and they talk about them, they can help. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a young man right now. Uh, I, I met him 11 years ago when I was uh, competing in bagpipes and uh, I knew he wasn't Catholic and he was probably 15 at the time. And I knew he was going to be a much better piper than me. I remember one time, w- there was only one time that I beat him in any event. Wow. And so I rubbed it in his face because he was 15 and I was 45 and I knew I'm never going to get another chance to right. do this. And of course, you know, he laughed it off too because he, he knew, we both know he's going to leave me in the dust. And now right. he's, he's, uh, he's going to be my pipe instructor. Wow. This little awesome. punk. Anyway, uh, he, he said to me though, I'm reading my way into the Catholic church. Wonderful. He said, I was a haughty anti-Catholic Calvinist, but it's through the church fathers that I'm discovering that the Catholic church is the church that God founded. And he came over a couple of weeks ago. He said, I want to talk about indulgence. So I want to talk about Mary. I'm going to talk about purgatory. And I want to talk about relics. And we, we did address those things. And wow. He was, it was, he was just soaking it up. It was really beautiful to see, you know, and you know, he was, of course, helped very much by, you know, John Bergsma. He was helped by Scott Hahn, his Brian Petrie, and mm-hmm. these others that... Wonderful writers. Who are doing a great service, and they will have a great reward in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Well, Father, thank you so, so much Happily. for sharing all these uh, experiences and truths with our college students and all our young adults listeners. Um, if anyone has any question to ask me about all these things, I'll be happy to hear from you. You can write me an email at info at fourcollegecatholics.org. And um, I will put in the show notes uh, all the um, links to the books of Father Ermatinger, at least the most important ones that I think uh, can be of use to you, particularly the one of the problem with magic. Uh, But the others will be there as well. And I hope you can buy them. Uh, there's in d- different places. Some, some are used books, and uh, they, you can get them used, or in Amazon you can get them new. Uh, so again, um, thank you, Father uh, Ermertinger, for thank being you. with us. And uh, I hope you all join us again in our future uh, episode for College Catholics. <laughs>